Hello friends, today we're going to start the first video in a series of videos related to Baha'i Cosmology. What is Baha'i Cosmology? This is the study of the large-scale structure, not of the physical universe, but of the spiritual universe. Examining what are the layers of ontology, the layers of being, the layers of reality, that the Baha'i writings teach us exist. At different times when I've actually presented on this, individuals will come up after and they'll say, look, that was very interesting. There was a lot of text brought to bear in this examination. At the same time, isn't there more relevant studies that we could do? Something that has to do with how we treat our fellow human beings and how we move out into the world and deal with social reality. And this is important and I want to actually place this in context. One of the things I've often said is, is that it's important to realize that when we look at scriptures, whether it be the New Testament, the Quran, the Upanishads, the different Buddhist scriptures, the Hindu scriptures, when we look at them, they're not actually simply representations of ethical teachings. They talk about God, about a relationship with God. They talk about the nature, for example, of Jesus Christ or they express the reality or give us an intimation into who Krishna is. What is the nature of the Buddha? They look at different realms of God. They speak of angels, if you will, of bodhisattvas. They talk about lesser deities, divine beings throughout reality and how our lives in this day, in this moment, relate to this greater structure. A great deal of the writings of Baha'u'llah, the Bab, of Abdu'l-Baha, and Shoghi Effendi speak about the nature of the manifestation of God, or of lesser prophets, and how our lives are to be aligned with the teachings of these messengers. And when we look from the Baha'i perspective, which is the perspective of the unity of religion, and we look out to the greater picture, if you will, the grand tapestry of humankind's religious heritage, very often, individuals from outside the Baha'i community are struck with what seem to be very difficult problems. Um, the way, for example, that Jesus Christ is talked about in the New Testament seems to be different than the way the Prophet Muhammad is spoken of within the Quran. The nature of the Buddha seems to be different from that of the nature of Krishna. For another example, the God of the Old Testament doesn't seem to be um, if you will, identical to the God of the New Testament, which seems to be a triune God. Um, once again, the, the concept of Brahman within the Upanishads, once more, seems to be a different picture. So what I'm hoping to do here is to, if you will, lay some groundwork as a conversation starter to try to have a deeper understanding of what the Baha'i writings, from my perspective of course, seem to be saying about the reality of divinity, the reality of the manifestation of God, so that from that perspective we can come to, if you will, reach out now to try to better understand the New Testament, or better understand the Quran, better understand the Hindu or Buddhist scriptures, and see that many of the categories of reality, these layers of reality, these layers of ontology, can be seen as different facets of one fundamental picture that we can derive from the Baha'i writings. Now that will be, remain to be seen. And I think what this brings forward is, is this difference from a Baha'i perspective, or a Baha'i's perspective, trying to look at the Baha'i writings, of the difference between what I would call shallow unity and deep unity. You see, 
Many people will say, look at the different world religions, and they'll say, well, so many of these different faiths teach you know, the love of the sacred, for example, an abstract concept of the sacred, and they'll teach the way that we should relate to each other as fellow human beings. Now there can be divergences in these, and maybe these can be chalked up to the different historic circumstances or the different cultures in which they were expressed. Yet when it comes, if you will, once again, to the nature of the messenger themselves, the nature of Jesus, the reality of Krishna, the reality of Buddha, these seem to diverge. Likewise, the nature of the Divine Realm itself, that ground of the sacred, whether we're looking at, if you will, the Hindu conception of the sacred, of the Hindu conception of Brahman, or the Dharma and Buddhism, or, if you will, Yahweh within the Old Testament. What is the nature of the Son of God in the New Testament, and how can that be reconciled with the concepts represented within the Quran that don't seem to be the same as this triune being that we find within the New Testament? Likewise, how can the triune conception of reality and the nature of, say, Jesus Christ be reconciled with the Old Testament, which does not seem to teach these concepts, I would suggest, at all. They seem radically different on the surface. And if we're going to be claiming the unity of religion, we have to be able to have a perspective where we can see these as really expressions of one, if you will, underlying reality. And I hope to be able to show through a study of the Baha'i writings first, what the Baha'i faith seems to be teaching, from my perspective of course, and then to move on from there to a dialogue not on the social realities of our society, but on the sacred. To truly, truly, truly look at what these concepts can do to our understanding as Baha'is, first of all, of say the Bhagavad Gita, of Hinduism or the New Testament, and the nature of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the Father. Once we have this groundwork, then in other videos, if you will, addendums to this, we'll be able to then rely on this video here with a deeper understanding of Baha'i theology and cosmology, these layers of ontology, to begin to reach out and enable these bridges to be built between these different communities. When it comes to the concept of the study of God, his messengers, and God's relationship to human reality is a reorientation of what it is that we're doing as human beings within the world we live. The analogy that often comes up is the Baha'i House of Worship. Throughout the different continents, the Baha'is have been creating and building these beautiful edifices, these houses of worship. Glorious places, elegant places, wherein people from different traditions can come in and pray towards the Divine, towards God, and express their love and devotion to that Divine Being. Some may not know, but the Baha'i houses of worship are supposed to have a series of dependencies. Uh, social arms, if you will, a place for the elderly, a dispensary for medication, a hospital, a traveler's place, an education center, a center for higher education. And I've had at times individuals ask me, well, why aren't those built first? Why is it that, if, for example, there's the Lotus Temple, and before, say, we started building the temple in Santiago, right? Why didn't we build up all the dependencies around the Lotus Temple? And I want to offer, we'll deal with this more in another video, 
But a difference between what we might call a heliocentric uh, perspective of spiritual reality and a geocentric perspective of spiritual reality. Heliocentric meaning sun-centered, and geocentric meaning earth-centered. What I see within the Baha'i writings is that the fundamental principle and guiding relationship of humankind is love of God. And the seeing of that image of God within other human beings. To see them as expressions of God's love and of God's light, so that we then have an inwell, indwelling desire to actually help these other individuals. Because we are all children of one God. We share one grand common spiritual heritage that has been unfolded in different tales, that are different seams if, you, seams, if you will, on one grand glorious tapestry of God's relationship to humankind. And once this actually happens, that is why the temple itself, or the house of worship, comes first. It is a relationship, as stated by Shoghi Effendi, mystic in origin, that actually then gives rise to these other expressions. That when I'm trying to be an a beautiful individual to other people, I am trying to share, if you will, that divine light and that love of God from myself to other human beings. The sun is at the center first. That glowing sun of reality, the divine realm, that then gives warmth and light and rays to all other aspects of social reality. So I believe this is why when we look at the Baha'i writings, so much of it is prayer. So much of the Baha'i writings actually discuss the nature of God, the manifestation of God, and the different realms of reality, so we can see ourselves, if you will, part of this greater cosmology. This is why I think this issue is so vital, in addition to the fact that once we get a clear picture of it, we can begin to reach out, if you will, and see the truth and beauty of the New Testament and how it expresses the nature of Jesus Christ. And then we can see that the New Testament isn't teaching something different than the Quran, Even though on the surface it may seem so, that we can then begin to reach out and, Bridging Beliefs is my channel's name, that we can begin to create bridges between these different beliefs and begin to understand scriptures from prior dispensations like Judaism, Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, etc. as part of, once again, these different scenes of one grand tapestry. I believe in doing this study that we can come to ground ourselves within the Baha'i writing. And once we ground ourselves within the Baha'i writings, we can see that when we begin to have a conversation, for example, with a Hindu, about the nature of Krishna, that how we can see that, or the nature of Brahman in Hinduism, that we can begin to see that this is actually an outgrowth or ground and grounded in Baha'i writings. Once again, when we begin to discuss the nature of the station of Jesus Christ, or the relationship between God the Father, and the Son in the New Testament, we can once again see this as an outgrowth from the foundation of the Baha'i writings. And this has an added benefit. 
then all of a sudden we see that we're not trying to be ad hoc and trying to, you know, fix things on the fly, if you will, and be seen as if we're trying to use duct tape to tape together these different dispensations. We can see that there isn't sort of a shallow unity where all these different traditions talk of the sacred and all these different traditions talk about some divine reality, which could be seen as merely a social expression of human humankind, but rather when we come from the Baha'i writings and we see these deep structures, we see that there actually is an underground reality, a foundation that unites them, that isn't obvious from a first glance. And it is the uniting of seemingly diverse concepts, seemingly diverse phenomenon, that even within the scientific realm has a ring of truth, where we can take a series of data points, where we can take a series of ideas, and then we show that, well, if we have this theory, these all seem to actually come together. That it actually is truth tracking. It actually is, if you will, a guide to what is true. And in this way, we're not, if you will, on the fly trying to stitch them together. We're trying to see what the Baha'i writings say, and then from there branch out and reach out to these different dispensations and examine them from that perspective. There are various different, if you will, models or expressions of the layers of reality, of cosmology, of the structure, of the metastructure, if you will, of reality. Some of these are very commonly known to Baha'is. One is the ring symbol, or the greatest name, symbol of the greatest name, where you actually have three lines and it's supposedly God, uh, the manifestation of God in humankind. But there are others within the Baha'i writings. There is a seven realm model and a nine realm model. And we will be looking at these in the future and seeing how they all actually do tie into each other. Yes, they are different vantage points and different ways of looking at reality, the sacred reality. Yet they are not mutually exclusive where you have to be in one model or the other. Sort of, if you will, you can only see it as a duck or a rabbit, those pictures, gestalt pictures that switch. No, I think that there's this way in which when we begin to try to hash out what it is that these writings say, when we get a bigger and bigger picture, all these different models come together. We begin to see they are different facets of one picture, some higher resolution, some lower resolution, but they all really are attempting to convey to us one central concept, one central series of concepts, if you will. And I believe the process of doing this is what enables us then to pick up something like one of the Upanishads, from the principle of Upanishads, and begin to see in it, if you will, the images that we find within the Baha'i writings. We begin to see why the Buddhist scriptures are the way they are, and why the New Testament speaks the way it does. So we will be looking at other models, but we're going to start what we'll just call the five realm model, a general hierarchy of the spiritual world. And in this first video, I just want to take uh, two quick passages. One is actually from the Seven Valleys, and the other is from the Long Obligatory Prayer. I testify unto that whereunto have testified all created things, and the concourse on high, and the inmates of the all-highest paradise, and beyond them the tongue of grandeur itself from the all-glorious horizon, that thou art God, that there is no God but thee, and that he who hath been manifested is the hidden mystery, the treasured symbol, through whom the letters B and E have been joined in it together. 
I testify that it is he whose name has been set down by the pen of the Most High, and who hath been mentioned in the books of God, the Lord of the throne on high and of earth below. Many of those watching have probably recited this section of the long obligatory prayer potentially hundreds or even thousands of times. This is from the one of the three obligatory prayers of the Baha'i Faith. When we are saying this prayer, we're saying we're going to testify unto which have testified all of the created world. The concourse on high have also testified. The inmates of the all paradise have also testified. And beyond them the tongue of grandeur itself from the all-glorious horizon. That what? That thou art God, that there is no God that but thee. So here we're already starting. We have created things. One, concourse on high. Two, inmates of the all-wise paradise. Three, beyond them the tongue of grandeur itself from the all-glorious horizon. Four, that thou art God, and that he who hath been manifested is the hidden mystery. And that this one that hath been manifested is the one through whom the letters B and E have been joined and knit together. We have right here within the long obligatory prayer a series of levels actually being expressed. And this is, if you will, the, the if you will, the fundamental map that we're going to begin to use. We're now going to quickly jump to a passage from the Seven Valleys. Although there are many differing statements as to these points, to recount them in detail would result in weariness. Thus, some have said that the world of perpetuity hath neither beginning nor end, and have named the world of eternity as the invisible, impregnable Empyrean. Others have called these the worlds of the heavenly court, Lahut, of the Empyrean heaven, Jabirut, of the kingdom of the angels, Malakut, and of the mortal world, Nasut. So we have Nasut, the mortal world, Malakut, a kingdom of angels, Jabirut, the Empyrean heaven, and Lahut, the heavenly court. Okay? Now, none of these are speaking of God, it himself. <laughs> right? So, in a sense, we seem to have five, if you will, layers of ontology, layers of being once again. We have Nasut. The mortal world, we have the kingdom of angels, Malakut, the Empyrean heaven, Jabirut, the heavenly court, Lahut. So what if what we're looking at here is that we actually have the mortal world, all created things, Malakut, which is often within the by-writing spoken of, of the realm of the angelic realm. So we have the concourse on high, Malakut, the inmates of the all-highest paradise, the Empyrean heaven, Jabirut, and beyond them the tongue of grandeur itself, Lahut, the heavenly court, right? That thou art God, and that there is this one who has been manifested here, through whom the letters B and E have been joined and knit together. Now, once again, this is one explanation or exposition of this topic, and we're going to be looking at a series of different quotes, but I want to propose at this stage that we begin to look at Baha'i cosmology, layers of being, layers of ontology, cosmology meaning the grand structure of the universe, from this vantage point, from this, if you will, concept of these five different realms. 
the term that you often use within this structure for, if you will, the ultimate divine reality is Hahut, the realm of He, the realm of that one. So we have the, if you will, reality of God unmanifest, right? The heavenly court, Lahut, which I'm going to propose is the manifestation of God. The tongue of grandeur, the one who has joined and knit together the letters of V and E. Then we have this Empyrean realm, or the inmates of the All Highest Paradise, Malakut, the kingdom of angels, or the worlds beyond this world. And in some sense, we're going to find that these are, in one sense, different domains or layers of reality. And at the same time, they are stations of reality, stations of being. And in some ways this has to be so, because we see that a manifestation of God, who for now, let's say that this is actually from the heavenly court, that these are beings that are, if you will, uh, manifested here, representations of that one through whom the letters B and E have been joined in it together, they manifest in this world. And that entity, a manifestation of God, is here in sort of a geolocation, if you will, but it is a station of being. And we're going to see this more and more, because the definition of an angel within the Baha'i writings appears to be a status, or a level of reality that one can attain in many different realms. So, we're going to cut here for our first just brief investigation, and I want to stress that this is a very, very complex and very rich study, that I want to go through to be able to have us better understand the reality of the spiritual worlds so we can center our lives and our thoughts and our, our devotion really on the divine and then see that flow out into the rest of the world. But in this case, it also enables us to reach out to our brothers and sisters within these dispensations and see that this true, these Prior, prior dispensations like Christianity, Judaism, Islam, etc. are really different tellings of this same series of images, these same fundamental principles that are being expressed within the Baha'i writings. Thank you very much.